Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Floor and Decor. Largest selection of hard surface flooring and lowest prices guaranteed. We're going to West Houston. Shirley, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi there. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, we have a two-story townhome uh, that is uh, carpeted upstairs. Uh in one of the bedrooms, the floor is extremely wavy, has humps and such. How how would we go about getting that fixed? Well, depending on what's causing it, uh, you know, a lot of times the floor joist itself can be not nice and true and have some wave to it. I had the same issue mm-hmm. in in uh, my room up above my garage. There's a center post mm-hmm. and what I ended up doing is taking the decking off the floor and literally mm-hmm. shaving down the two bys in order to make it flat again and reinstall the decking. Okay. Okay. Is that some something that a general homeowner could do or... Well, that depends on your skill level. So it's, it's. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. if okay. all you do is change light bulbs, probably not. But, it, it, you know, if you okay. get into doing other things, yeah, you, it is something a, a homeowner can do. It's just going to, you got to have the right skill set is all. And uh, let's head to Sugarland. Mike, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, thanks. Uh, two quick ones real fast. I've got a uh, kind of a heavy gauge glass um, partition in a, like a shower. Uh, most of it's tile, but like the door and the uh, where the curtain would would be, I guess, is uh-huh. just glass. It's like heavy gauge glass. And there's little brackets at the bottom that kind of bolt it to the floor, and then there's one on the wall as well. The I think it's silicon, but whatever the seal, the caulk seal um, on the bottom around the brackets, the metal brackets particularly, has kind of gotten black, like there might be like mildew growing back in there. Yeah. So I want to just kind of pull all that up and seal it again and just want to make sure I use the right product. Yeah, I get a siliconized caulk, and that's probably, that. They, I'm sure that's what they used is a silicone caulk. Uh, okay. They do make some with mold inhibitors in it, and okay. uh, you, you can typically even get those at the box stores. So that's what you'd want to go back with. Okay, and this uh, second one's kind of a stretch. Um, it's a little automotive, but I'm sim- it might be a similar product. I've got an older car, and the uh, the plastic taillights have, br- have cracks in them that moisture gets into. Right. And I'm wondering if you knew of any product that I could might be able to seal those cracks up with, because I'm running, like, it's, they're blowing my bulbs when the water accumulates in there. So I know it's kind of a hybrid question, but I appreciate if you have any insight on that front. Uh, you know, you're going to laugh because I do like older vehicles. But uh, what I would take a look at uh, trying on that is uh, Gorilla Glue has a caulking out. Uh, it's it, it's a caulking adhesive, and the stuff works really good. And what you may want to try is just uh, filling in that little gap with that stuff, uh, so it'll seal it and you know glue it back together at the same time you're going to see okay. it no no two ways about it it's going to show but uh at least you won't keep blowing bulbs yeah yeah and then the little the new the whole new piece costs like 400 bucks so it's like, yeah you know, not worth it all right i appreciate it thanks for your help you bet mike you take care and have a happy thanksgiving right. same to you appreciate it bye 
713-212-5874. And I'll see what I can do to help you out here on Texas Home Improvement. And uh, yeah, you know, there, there, uh, there's a lot of things you can do with those plastics to, to seal them up. Um, and uh, I, the unfortunate thing is typically it's going to show but it, it'll at least seal it up and and keep it from continuing to be a problem. Uh, and one other thing on the shower, uh, and, and I, fa- I failed to tell him this: make sure after you remove all the existing caulking, you clean it up well and let it dry thoroughly before recaulking it, because you don't want to seal in any moisture in there. That'll just tend to help it grow back right away. So uh, clean it up real good let it dry then go ahead and and caulk it and get it all sealed up daniel welcome to texas home improvement how can i help you afternoon sir i uh i have a question about uh reinforcing a, a metal building um it's older uh, it actually has pipes on the corner but it only has four inch purlins and i want to close in uh, a certain area and i was wondering to uh get your opinion on that and what what i should do and when you say you want to close it in, what, uh, you turn it into a living space, or what are you doing with it? Uh, yeah, kind of like a living space and uh, uh, maybe even more hurricane-resistant. I'm not but about 35 minutes from the coast. Okay. Okay. And how old a building is it? Oh, uh, built in the early 80s. Okay. So technically, it, it's probably already meeting some... Uh, wind load and hurricane strength winds and such uh, and basically you're looking to stiffen it up and be able to withstand a little bit more yes sir you know uh, the the framework is it uh, is it uh, made of steel or is it wood it is steel it's uh probably two and five eighths pipe and four inch purlins okay so basically, you can, you know, if you look at the way they build a lot of the metal buildings now, they'll be running a uh, oh, a steel rod from the corners at an angle down to the next uh, post. And yeah. what that does is stiffen everything up. You can add that in to the, to the existing st- structure that you already have. And it doesn't have to be... A steel rod like that uh, what you may find easier to add is going to be a, a steel cable that you can then put a turnbuckle on and tighten up and that'll yes. stiffen it up okay uh, any uh, wood uh, on the walls like when I insulate and close it in would it be rather uh, would you like do a regular three and a half inch wall or should I turn them to two bys flat and actually screw them to the purlin which two is better I personally would would go ahead and leave them normal, you know, where they're okay, because that leaves you room for putting your insulation and such, um, and it it again helps stiffen it up a little bit more. Okay, well, thanks so much. I sure do appreciate it, sir. You and what are you going to cover it with? Sheetrock or wood? Uh, sheetrock. Okay, yeah. Then leave it where where you got the turn to the to the normal side that way. Yes, sir. Will do. I sure do appreciate it, sir. Take Edward from houston sent me in a uh, building code question or that's how he labeled it but it, it's really beyond a building code question he says hello jim do you know what is the legal building code requirement for 
geotech surveys done on large land purchases that are intended to be developed into individual lots for subdivision development. I ask out of curiosity simply, is it a legal requirement that individual lots be assessed before new slabs are poured, or is it more or less up to the builder to determine whether or not certain areas be looked into further before a new slab is poured? Does it basically work in a way that they get a general assessment of the land as a whole and then build and pour? Well, in a large subdivision where they are doing track home building and things like that, no, it is not required that they get a soils test on each individual lot. Now, a custom builder may require it if you buy one of those lots, but if a track builder is coming in, he's going to get a survey for so many acres of land. And I don't remember what the exact is. I want to say it's like one for every three acres of land. Uh, so that, yes, they do get a general makeup of the soil. Now, if in doing that, they find that the soil is different in different areas, that may require some additional surveying. Not that the code's going to require it, but common sense would require it. And that doesn't mean that every builder's going to do that. So... It, it is somewhat up to the builder, but yes, they do need to do it based on such so based on the size of the area and so many surveys or so many bores for the number of uh, acreage that they're doing. We'll, we'll just say a 40 acre track or 80 acre track or whatever. And you start taking all these different bores, you get 10 bores out on this acreage and, and they all basically come back the same there's not a reason to do anything different but if you start hitting this one area that has something different yeah you may go in and do some additional and to go beyond that if you're buying a home that's going to be built and you request a survey you should be able to get that uh, and by survey i mean they'll come out drill a a test hole and and uh, you know do a soils test to determine what type of foundation it should have so depending on where you're at also depends on the size it's not so much a state as it is in some areas a municipal a local municipality rule just a reminder it's a huge help if you subscribe to rate and review the podcast it helps people find us christian richardson He's asking about spray foam, getting a new GAF solar shingle roof, and one contractor is offering spray foam included. 4,500 square feet at 255 per square foot, 5.5 inch open cell spray foam on all roof decking in the attic space. On average, this reduces electricity electric costs by 25 to 40%. I thought I heard you say on your radio show, I... Uh, that you did not like this use of foam. I tried to call in, but couldn't get it on the wait list. It's $9,500. This is a lot of money. They offered it after I told them uh, I would have Milo give me a quote to remove and replace the current very old insulation. Well, here's the deal. If your attic is already made for a ventilated attic, 
they are changing the attic when they put spray foam in. Uh, basically, it's got to be a sealed up attic. Now your air conditioning system is also heating and cooling the attic space. So it, it's probably not going to be as efficient as as what they're telling you. But beyond that, the difference between open cell and closed cell. Uh, open cell will take on moisture if you ever have a roof leak, and it can saturate the whole roof. A closed cell won't do that. Uh, basically, it, w- it won't take on water. Um, truthfully, this is not something I would do. Uh, you know, I mentioned this a little while ago. R13 is R13. R48 is R48. Whether it's spray foam on a roof deck or laying on the attic floor, uh, I would keep it on the attic floor and keep my insulated box smaller, not having to deal with the attic space. Let's head over to uh, Dallas. And Gary, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Wonderful. How about you? I'm doing great. I've got a quick question for you. I am remodeling my kitchen, and I'm wanting to turn uh, the water heater area into a uh, pantry. And I was told that I could move that up into the attic. However, it's a 50-gallon water heater. I was told if it's reinforced properly, I could do that. But I'm not real comfortable with that, and I just wanted to get your opinion. I did it at my own house. Okay. Well, that answered my question, then. Now, I will tell you, uh, later on, I went and changed my tank to a tankless water heater. Uh, Okay. But, you know, and there's some advantages, especially when you're going to have it up in the attic, to a tankless. One of the big ones, you know, that people worry about is, well, if that tank ever breaks, I'm dumping 50 gallons of water all over my house. With a tankless water heater... Uh, they make a safety switch that's inside the box. And if there's ever even a drop of water that goes down to where that safety switch is, it cuts the water supply off completely. So the amount of water it's going to drop is is extremely minimal. Um, But the other huge advantage is you don't have a tank sitting up there, uh, you know, and... uh, of course, you got the energy savings and stuff, but just in general, the tankless fits up there nicely and, and makes it easy. Do you have gas or electric? Well, and that was my next question, because I have electric, and I was told that uh, I really need gas for the tankless to work correctly. I'm, mine is electric. Okay. And may I ask you a question? What size tankless would you use? Well, all the tankless uh, ones are, are going to be based on the number of fixtures you have. So they count up the, you know, the faucets, the the uh, oh the the bathtub, the showers, the washing machine. All that goes into it, and then they size it so that if everything was running, you still would have hot water going to everything. Okay. The big thing you're going to find if you make that switch from on electric from a tank to a tankless is the number of breakers. You know, you're, right now your water heater is using one 220 breaker. You go to a tankless, you will be using three 220 breakers, and the electrician would have to run some uh, wires back to the water heater for you from the breaker okay. box. Okay, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. You bet. You take care and have a great uh, Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you, sir. Bye. I will tell you, I went, uh, I moved my water heater up 20 years ago into the attic. Uh, it was in my pantry, and man, did it open up a lot of extra space. 
And then I went tankless probably 12, 15 years ago, something like that, uh, and have not regretted it at all. Now, since I have this electric uh, tankless water heater, I have added a propane tank to my house. I've switched my heat from electric to the uh, propane. And eventually, if my tankless water heater ever goes out or I just decide, hey, I'm going to change it, I'll I'll put uh, gas on that as well. But, uh, you know, some of the advantages to not having gas is I don't have to vent it out through the attic when it's electric. Uh, so, but my big reason for wanting to go with uh, gas is it is cheaper on energy. And when you have a power outage, you still have hot water. So... Just a, a little side note there. Don in Saginaw. He says, uh, hey, Jim, I had an energy audit with climate doctors. And one of his suggestions was to put more vents under the eaves as well as making sure the existing vents were not blocked at all. As some of the existing vents are partially blocked by the roofing beams. My question is whether or not it would be worth my time and expense to do this. Thanks in advance. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the attic ventilation is what helps keep the attic cooler, lets your insulation work better, uh, and it helps keep the, the attic drier so you don't get moisture into the insulation, which again lets the insulation work even better. So, yes, you, I, I, almost all houses need additional attic ventilation uh, unless you have continuous soffit vents you know uh, newer homes they put in those vents every 20 feet or so and that's just not enough so uh, yes take the time to go ahead and put some uh, additional vents in there uh, it, it is well worth your time let's go over to fort worth and carol welcome to 570 klif how can i help you hi um well, I've had a concern uh, regarding if we get some really cold weather and the grids go out like we had a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. I'm in a community that's all electric um, and no fireplaces. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I have. I was hoping there would be a battery-operated portable heater, but I guess that's just not doable. Um, I have found by calling a couple hardware stores, they have a portable propane heater that they claim you can use in the home. But my concern, again, it's propane and it's in the house. I think they were designed more for garages and work areas, you know, not to use if the electricity goes out or the grid goes out. And they said, well, you should prop open your window, but if it's 16 degrees out there, I mean, would, do you think it'd be safe to run maybe for an hour at a time and then shut it off and then run it again? The, so there actually are here? some out there that that are made that you can uh-huh. run inside. Uh, okay. One in particular that I have is called My Buddy. Okay. And you can either use the, the little one-gallon or, uh, you know, the little one-pound tanks, uh, the like the Coleman tanks, or get okay. an adapter where it hooks up to the 20-pound regular propane tank. And uh, I okay. I was running mine this morning in the garage, like you mentioned. But mm-hmm. uh, they are made where they can run indoors or outdoors. Uh, they don't require ventilation. 
and uh, and do a very very good job of keeping you warm. Do you think um, it's safe to run it for how many hours at a time, possibly? Uh, I personally have have used mine uh, all night long. Well, that long, okay. And that's Mister Buddy. I think I think uh, I did find a hardware store that does sell those. So I think you I can find another opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find those at uh, tractor supply stores. You can find them, I think, at some of the Ace Hardware stores. Right. Um, yeah, uh-huh. they're. And it, 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 I've okay. got two. I've got two of them because they make them in different sizes. And, okay. Uh, again, they work really well. Great. Well, that's that's good to hear. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much. Now, I'm going to tell you uh, 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 just a little uh-huh. secret on it. If uh-huh. you use the one-pound propane bottles that you can just screw on, you know, like the Coleman bottles, you're okay. typically going to get something around six, seven hours out of it, and then it's going to okay. shut off on you anyways. So it, okay. it helps eliminate that risk that you're worried about. Okay. It might be a good idea to have two propane bottles on hand just in always, case. Yep, always have extra ones on hand. Renee in Dallas sent in a, an email about the M word. I might have mold in the garage. There was a roof stain in the corner of my garage that looked like uh, where an old leak had been repaired, but I noticed fresh roof stains a few months ago, so I had a roof for repair. With a few heavy rains, I noticed that it was not repaired and found a second leak in the garage water heater closet from the ceiling. After multiple roofer visits, I finally found one that committed to fix both leaks. I am now leak-free and have something on that part of the ceiling that looks suspicious and could be mold, which I have never dealt with. I need your advice on the best approach to take as I'm investigating companies and it looks like there are testing companies and repair companies. How can I tell if the amount these companies want to charge is reasonable? Should I find a company that does both the test and remediation? Do these companies have a tendency to over-test at high fees? If the mold is visible, is there reason to pay for a bunch of air tests until that mold is removed. Great questions. All right, if you find mold like that in the garage, first thing I'm going to tell you is you eliminate the moisture, you eliminate the mold. It will die. Mold has to have moisture to survive. So if you've got the roof leaks fixed, the mold should be dying. Now let's deal with the mold itself. Take it out. You know, if it's just sheetrock, cut it out and get rid of it and put new sheetrock up. Problem solved. In the garage, there shouldn't be any insulation to deal with. Uh, You know, there may be a little bit on the wood, but you can deal with that as well. And once that's all done, I would leave it alone. This is not in the living area of the home. It is a garage. And again, once you eliminate the moisture, you eliminate the mold growth. So I think you've already pretty much taken care of that. So let's let's again cut the the mold out, take that sheetrock out, replace it, and I think you're good to go. Now, if you want to put something on it to keep the mold from coming back, there's a product called FiberLock. You can go to the website FiberLock.com. I'm sorry, that's their website. 
is a product called Shockwave, and it's a disinfectant and cleaner that will uh, keep the mold from growing back. It's used uh, in areas where a house floods and things like that. So again, that website is FiberLock.com. James, how can I help you? Yes, sir. I have uh, a home with hardy board siding, and uh, the caulking is starting to uh, deteriorate. The home is about uh, 30 years old, and uh, I was wondering... uh, on caulking, do I need to tear out the old caulking to recaulk? I'm 73 years old, and I need to do it the easiest way possible. Well, if it's if it's loose, pull it out. If it's not, and you can go over the top, then it's it's fine. But typically, you want to try to pull out anything that's that's loose and is easy to pull out. Okay. And uh, how about how about cleaning the the siding. I heard you should not pressure wash. No, nah, just a, a light pressure wash is fine, but you don't want to get heavy pressure too close because, uh, I mean, just like cut concrete driveways, you can cut into it. Uh, so just a light pressure wash, but typically if you just wash it with some detergent uh, and a water hose, that you know, just use a broom as a scrub brush. It, it cleans it up great. All right, sir. All right, well, I thank you, Jim. You yeah, bet. Thanksgiving. You as well. Take care. Thank you. And, yeah, it's the hardy siding is very easy to take care of and, and clean it up. Like I said, you, you mix up some uh, soap and water, some Tide even will work just fine. Uh, you know, if, if it's really needing a, a stout cleaning, some uh, TSP will work great and uh, scrub it up. Use just a a push broom as as your brush, and it's easy to do. Rinse it off. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.